0: Here's Dr. Veronica. Hello, this is Wellness for the Real World with Dr. Veronica. Wellness for the Real World is not just a show about eating organic food, free-range chicken, and drinking tea. It's a show about wellness of the body, mind, and spirit. Today, we're going to hear a story about wellness of the spirit. We're going to hear the story of Tramp Barber and how he goes from torture to redemption and his impactful way of helping others. It's about a struggle, and this is a real-life example of being the maestro of your life. I present to you, From Hell to Heaven on a Harley. I'm going to tell you that one day I was coming into the airport. I came into Newark International Airport. I was with my son. I went to Boston. I had to fly out of Philadelphia and fly into Newark, and so instead of trying to figure out how to get it, nobody being available, I ordered a limousine. So I walk down the stairs, actually I come down the escalator in the Newark International Airport to Baggage Plane. I see this man there, he's holding a sign. He has on his nice little limo uniform. He has on a cap. He kind of looks like Santa Claus to me. He has his glasses, he's looking over his glasses with these big beautiful blue eyes at me and I think, wow, what a nice, he looks like such a nice man. So then he says, we start chit-chatting a little bit, he asks me, Does I have any, do I have any baggage? And then he turns around, and on the back of his hat, it says Harley Davidson. And I say to him, oh my gosh, I decided in 2010, I want to ride a Harley. Do you have a Harley? And thus our conversation begins about motorcycles and about his life. So I'm going to welcome Pastor Trent. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So tell me a bit about, we're gonna talk a little bit about where you came from, some transformation, your cleanup, and then we're gonna talk about some controversial issues. that this <laughs> have, These all have to do with your wellness, okay? Mm-hmm. But tell me a bit about your background. Where are you from originally?
1: I grew up in Ewing Township in uh, New Jersey. Okay, Mercer
0: Trenton. County, New Jersey. Mercer it's County, centered Jersey. right by the capital yep. of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And you, tell me about your family.
1: I had loving parents. My father was a pastor up until, a full-time pastor, until 1955. He left the full-time ministry. We were living on $600 a year. $600. $600 a year. Yeah.
0: (laughs) How did, where did your father get the money from? Was that from the church? From the
1: church. He was a full-time minister, and uh, he would go glean the fields, potato fields, to get food for us. Um, I remember eating a green bean sandwich while they went hungry. I started smoking when I was nine years old. Okay, um, that's interesting. <laughs> my father caught me smoking behind the shed and I figured he was going to throw me a good beating. And I uh, didn't say a word. Turned around walked away. Went up to uh, the store and bought a box of denobly Stogie's. And he come back and gave me a little cigar. He says, if you smoke this, and not get sick, you can smoke. So I Uh-oh. smoked it down to a burn my fingers put it out and he, he says okay I'll see you later on so well your father the pastor actually went and bought you well see what and his plan was that I would make me sick and I wouldn't smoke no more you know it's the world I grew up in was a very violent world you know my parents they they had they had no comprehension first time I was stabbed I was in fourth grade what wait a second first,
0: how did you get stabbed in fourth I, grade
1: I had to cross a neighborhood of another flavor is that a nice way to put it And it was at the time of the racial tensions. And a sixth grader. Was it the Ewing? Ewing, yeah. Oh, wow. I was going, yeah, I was trying across the creek into this other neighborhood, walking. I fought my way to and from school. Wow. And and this sixth grader didn't like a white boy in his neighborhood and stuck a switchblade in my belly. Wow. And that was the first time I became aware of what my ex wife lovingly named the monster. (laughs) When I lose my temper, bad things happen.
0: So you you were losing your temper? I was. How can you not if you
1: yeah. bad. that? Well, what, but see, it was a different world then. It's not like it is now. I, uh, When I got done pounding on this kid, I got a knife hanging out of my belly. And when I got done pounding, I was terrified for four days that I killed him. Oh my God. I mean, I was okay. terrified because he wasn't moving. And uh, I pulled the knife out. Um, I obviously played hooky that day. I burned his shirt, poured alcohol in the hole, it, it, my parent. I never told my parents, I've never known about that.
0: Your parents did not know you were no. that?
1: No, you wow. don't. I took care of myself. Four days later he came to school, and, you know, and there was never no cops, not, nothing. And uh, he came to school, his eyes were starting to open up. And we were friends after that because it cost so much not to be friends. And uh, when I was 13, 13 I would say, um, I became sexually involved with a nineteen year old woman. Wow. Um, you know, up until a few years ago I just thought because I was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it but, it's become
0: a a big problem in our society now. You yeah. think of the women who are it's kind it, of some moral compass, but
1: no, actually but I, I became involved with this nineteen year old woman and um she took my childhood. You know, sexual abuse. That's what I look back at now. See i'm i'm fifty seven years old now. I'm not a little kid anymore, and I can look back and say that was sexual abuse. She took my childhood, she taught me things I didn't need to know yet. She tainted my sexuality mm-hmm. I mean she was a freak, you know she tainted my sexuality, and um it made it harder to follow my father's footsteps because he was an innocent sure. He was. An, I mean, you know, that's one of the things. We're I, going to
0: get a little bit more yeah, back to set. Yeah, yeah. But I want to find out when did you actually start the riding with the motorcycle? What gang? happened was you I know, was you're you're said, in it. You're in the thick of it.
1: I'm. I was 18 years old, sitting in a bar with a with a young lady who used to fly a property patch of one of the club brothers. Now, um, women. Now, now, what does that mean? That means a, a woman involved with a motor. Well, a woman involved with a motorcycle gang. I'll just stay there is not a member. She's a piece of property. She flies a property patch. She does what she's told when she's told with whoever she's told to do it with. So yeah. when you say
0: does what, what she's told, she, she's just going back and forth to the store and okay. getting stuff? She's cleaning? I mean, what, what does that mean? Taking
1: care of a friend sexually. If, if, I tell, if I tell her to go to, you know, it's like my friend Redneck's in here. It's like if the girl, my old lady fly my property patch, has to go take her Redneck. You know? And she would, because she, she don't have a choice.
0: And
1: what kind of women get into that? Same kind of men. Men, just people that want to belong. They desperately want to belong. That's what it is. You I, and so I was sitting in a bar with this girl, and her ex.
0: Are, are they are they like middle American girls? Yeah.
1: They... Actually, this girl what came from a no. This girl came from a very wealthy family, and um, we're sitting in a bar, and her ex come in, and about five or six of his brothers. And they sit down at the table with, "She's terrified. She's terrified." And he pulled the knife, I pulled my knife, and we kind of stared at each other for a while, and I finally just kind of laughed. I said, "You know what, bro?" I said, "You boys got me, but I'm going to kill you dead as hell." So this
0: is 18, you're this is 18. Oh, oh, he's... down a motorcycle gang guy.
1: Yeah, well, he wasn't much older than me, but um he's um he always wanted of the things he looked at me laughed, this is you call this party.
0: And So at that moment you became I, a member of the well, no, then, fellows, then I
1: was. Or? I began the, the prospect period, and that's you know, which you get real bloody real fast. You do what you're told. You become part of a paramilitary organization.
0: Well, at that point were you actually in a particular sect or gang?
1: No, at that point I was being brought into the into that club.
0: So, so like an initiation? Is that what yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, the
1: prospect about? period is the time you become dirty enough that you can never roll over on them you know it's like you do the dirty work you know and it's like you do the hurt and you do the stomp and you do what you're so now when you're saying you're doing the dirty work you're um you're collecting drug debts okay and the drug debt, you know you go and you actually
0: collected drug debts from people there was
1: there was about ten of us to ran together and we collected drug debts we we did what we, we were we were the army of the damned we did what we were told
0: so, when you collected
1: drug deaths, what the type of things that you do? Um, scared people, you know, it, it was just... just violent. Scared people out and threaten
0: threatened
1: them? No, didn't threaten them. Scared them and stomped them so that when you could <laughs> and you come
0: back... So you're talking, you're, you're no, be, were, beating people up?
1: Yeah, um, you know, it was from uh, June of 71 to July of 73, I went to prison 11 times. Wow. I've uh, never For, done before. First arrest was atrocious assault and buried two counts with intent to kill on a cop.
0: A cop?
1: A cop. So you you,
0: you I beat, beat
1: up a cop? I beat up two cops. Broke one's jaw in five places and separated four ribs from the backbone of another one. I learned, don't ever hit a cop. They had me <laughs> handcuffed up over, they beat the ugly off me. They whooped me like a red-headed, ugly stepchild.
0: And what, how old were you at
1: this point? This eighteen. Past? So at 18, eighteen, you're beating up cops, collecting yeah. drug deaths, yeah.
0: scaring people. What other type of stuff were you doing? Um,
1: being a maniac.
0: Being a maniac, what else? Like, what does that mean? Being um, a maniac, because you know, when, when it, well, I think my son's being a maniac, <clears throat> he's listening to heavy metal music, but that's what not. What was
1: the? It was um. Uh, the quote, "Gang uh, is come, ride, rape and pillage like a Marauding Calvary." Ride,
0: race, rape and, and pillage. pillage like Marauding Calvary. So you 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 have actually been involved in Well, rape.
1: Yes. There was, um, you collecting drug debts, you go someplace, he doesn't have the money, you call the boss, what do you do? Well, rape his old lady, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that, you know, and it was, you know, just unmitigated violence. Mm. And, and what happens is you become part of a monster, and you think what you're doing is right.
0: So, you're you are just... doing this, you're, you're sexually assaulting someone's wife, and you feel like, that's okay.
1: It's okay, because he owes the club money.
0: You never thought about. Now you—you you you're not the usual person. You come from a background yeah. where your father is a, a, a pastor. But you're see, not the usual person. How did your mind get to the point where you were able to? Methamphetamine,
1: methamphetamine, bourbon, and Budweiser.
0: So you were drinking and drugging also.
1: Yeah, I was doing two to three hundred dollars of methamphetamine a day, a fifth of bourbon, and a case of Budweiser. Wow. Yeah.
0: Now so,
1: that was- um <laughs> see, if you have a beer. Where did you get the money to buy all that? I didn't buy it. I was taking care of business. It so was, was that like, you're, you're saying... That was my, it was a pile of crank in the middle of the table. I'd go get high, and we go take care of business. Wow. The, the, the gentleman that was my sponsor into the club, he's probably one of the most vicious human beings... Is that fair? Yeah, he's probably one of the most vicious human beings I've ever known. Um,
0: he's asking, we, we have a, another gentleman here yeah. who... Changed his lightning Redneck. <laughs> imagine in my studio a guy named Redneck, but the Redneck's
1: pretty cool though. So, yeah. but um, um, yes, yeah, so, so. he's he's a stone cold color. Stone cold color. Um That's you know just the way it is. It's it's power. It's it's like power like you can't imagine to 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 ride down a road a hundred a hundred or so motorcycles and see yeah. You know, the fear of people I mean it's power, but it's damning
0: so uh, it's like you don't even know where to tell tell me about <coughs> so you've done just about you know all the most terrible things that most people can think about i mean um you've you've mentioned that you i hear the like that you've sexually assaulted people, that you beat up people, that you, you just told me, I didn't know this before, you actually killed people. Yeah.
1: Um, I was charged with, with killing. Yeah.
0: I mean, this just seems like the worst. you I, I'm saying, when I met you, I looked and said, what a nice man, he looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> this man looks like Santa Claus. And now, And then I find out that the guy who looks like Santa Claus has done all the things that you just don't even want to have to think about and nobody else wants to have to think about too. Again, we're listening to Pastor Tramp Barber. And right now I want to tell you about some programs to help you if you should have problems with addiction. There is a website that you can go to. It is called addictionsearch.com. If you go to addictionsearch.com, There's a Nationwide Addictions Assistance Helpline that you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There is a way for you to change. The addiction search line number is 800-559-9503. 800-559-9503. And this is Wellness for the Real World with Dr. Veronica. Any of this information that you would like to get, you can go to my website at www.drveronica.com. So, when did you get to the point where you had, where you decided, I'm going to come out this? What happened? I know you've, you've gone in and out of prison, but you've told me previously yeah. you, you hardly did any
1: hard time. I, I How didn't many any... times
0: did you actually go into a correctional facility?
1: 11 times. I was lost. 11 up. times. But I've never done time because, see the way it works. Is you're not going to press charges? I promise you. I'm not going to tell you. You're not saying. Press. No, I'm, I'm, I I I no. can
0: understand. I'm going to. Be because it is like
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. While well, I'm in jail, thirty or forty, like thirty or forty of my brothers show up and say, "You're not going to press charges on Trump, are you?" Oh no, no, you no, you're not. You're not going to. That's it's criminal terrorism. That's what it is. That's why the street gangs are working. That that's why. That's why nobody comes forward after a horrendous crime because they fear of the gang, the retribution. Wow. And it, terrorism works. And that's all it is is terrorism. That's So the, you
0: just you walk around terrorizing. This is pretty much yeah. the way any gang works. Yeah. They terrorize and everybody around them. Terrorized there's a few of them that make all everybody yeah. else just well, Yeah and, 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 and
1: it's it's not the entire gang. It's there's that that inner core. They there's that the ten or so they got no sense, that are so stoned out of their minds, and so so hateful, so violent, that, you know...
0: And you told me that was you. I was one of yeah. Wow. So, you end up in prison.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, we...
0: And you have the moment. A mem-
1: we, we killed a member of another gang. Um, I was so high at the time, I really don't know what happened. To this day, um, I, I know that we killed this guy. Okay. He died in my hands. He, um, I was, he, he, cra- he was shot. I didn't know he'd been shot. He crashed his bike. I thought he was one of us. That's how, yeah, that's how high I was. I was in a gunfight and didn't know I was in a fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I a good, this is a wild west gunfight. Gun and I'm like, wow, this is cool. We're going fast. You know, you're I, riding your motorcycle in a gunfight. Yeah, we're, we're we're chasing this guy down the road, probably in the excess of 100 miles an hour. I'm so high on This at, in New Jersey. No, this is in Pennsylvania. Okay. And I'm going to, and you know, it's just like I'm stone out in my mind. Does so this th-
0: stuff still happen now? Yes.
1: Yes. And, um, it sounds like
0: a movie. I yeah, mean, people—you yeah. you hear these stories, and you're just like, I—I I, I want it to be a movie because I don't even want to—to to think yeah. that this could be true. But you're riding down the, p- so, the Pennsylvania Turnpike.
1: <laughs> so he's shot. He goes down. He's—you know—and I lift. You know, I got his head cradled in my hand. He looks me in the face. He screams, and his brains running out of my hands. He's telling me mean, because you know, he was he was broke. Okay. Um, so we followed, you know, I followed cops to the cop station. I was like, I don't know, I think he's one of us. Get to the, And then we're um, charged. So I'm in prison, and I became aware of the fact that I'm a drug addict. I didn't have no idea I was a drug addict. I mean, I'll go to $300 a crank a day. God, no, not, but, I mean, you have to think something. Nah?
0: I mean, this is nah, the so of the pastor and the, and the wonderful mother.
1: Yeah, I just, I was anesthetized. I was anesthetized by the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, the violence. The violence, violence is more seductive than a beautiful woman. It, it is. My, my my wife, right now, yeah, I've got the best wife. I've married my best friend. But we'll be walking someplace and somebody will look at me and not see, you know, they'll see me. I'm a biker they, and they don't read the colors or you know, see the Christian t shirt. Mm-hmm. They don't understand what Christian All they see is a biker, and the, the, and you, they stink with fear. You see the fear in them, and, and I automatically I, I get the strut going. like,
0: yeah. You, you still do that now? Yeah, and she'll
1: oh. crack me in the back of the head and say, Stop it, you ain't it out! <laughs> <laughs> She's a mean the biker. So, so yeah. you're,
0: you, you, you are, you go to it. jail. You've, and, been, you've and been in prison, <coughs> you've been charged with murder the one. murder of someone.
1: Murder one criminal, exeterialism, and And what recall. happens while you're
0: in prison?
1: Um, the guy in a cell next to me was a pedophile. Um, you have intelligent conversations in prison like, what are you in for? Um, yes. and he, he was a pedophile. I have no compassion or use for a pedophile. So, it's I, the
0: pot calling the kettle black, but you... Yeah, like, oh you, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You were okay with a pedophile, but... Yeah. Uh,
1: no, I'm not okay, it's, yeah. But, so okay. I, I jumped on him, the guards beat me down, threw me in solitary confinement. Wow. Um, in solitary, I got drug and alcohol free.
0: How long were you in solitary confinement?
1: I don't know, I think about 12 days, I don't know. Um, so you're, you're, I know, yeah. sensory deprived. It's dark, silent. Um, but, now whether I could hear with my physical ears, or my heart, or my mind, I don't know. But I hear God saying, what are you going to do now, stupid.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hear about people, I, I've never <clears throat> had a, a, a situation
1: where God has uh, spoken to me that
0: clearly. But I've heard about yeah. people
1: who have had visions, or but, you know, somebody like, speaking yeah. to them. And they, and they say, do. you know, so I could hear and say, what are you going to do now, stupid. Well, I knew what to do. Because I had a Christian father that told me. You know, it's So like, you had your come to Jesus moment in right. yeah. yeah. solitary confinement. It's solitary confinement, um, and it was a horrifying moment. And how old were you at this point? I see. I was, I was seventy-three, twenty. Twenty. So I was a kid. I mean, I.
0: So a I never your, a couple of just horrible years of just yeah. completely doing everything known yeah. to mankind is bad, practically.
1: Yeah. And and but see you know when I look back at it, there was the interest in the motorcycle when I was a little tiny boy, but it started with the sexuality when I was thirteen and she was nineteen
0: so violence and sexuality pulls you in yeah. that direction
1: because I mean it's like
0: and then when i when
1: followed. I, when you were, the time i I spent out there as an outlaw. I mean, I had a different woman every night, or maybe two, maybe three. I mean, just like sex, it, it, it was like an athletic event. Yeah, you know, like first and ten, let's do it again. You know, it, it, you know, it's like my wife deals with it now. I mean, my wife, I love my wife. She's an innocent. I mean, she's, you know, she's, and every once in a while, she had these insecure moments and like, how many women have you been with? Oh my God! Well, I and, and I say, and I don't know, and, and I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by that. So you,
0: you, you, after all that life, get embarrassed?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm deeply, deeply ashamed of what I've done. Because um, I was taught better. I was raised better. I knew better.
0: What about people that don't know better, though? How do, how, what do you advise people that don't know better?
1: Just, I, share, I share with them. See, that's the thing in ministry where it's like, I don't tell you what to do. You don't, You don't get anybody into faith, you don't bring anybody to faith in Jesus Christ, or into a sobriety, or by pushing them, you pull them, you lead. You know, it's like, nobody wants to hear about Jesus unless they see Jesus in me. Nobody wants to hear about the faith unless they see, they know me from before and see me now. See what I'm saying? I I can't push you into faith, but I can pull you. Yeah. And, and see, and, that, and that's where it goes. And, and I think that's the church's failure. Now, The church tried to push me into being this good...
0: When you were a kid, they were trying a kid. to push you. But, into even, but then even you had that come to... Well, I call it for everybody, that come to but Jesus But after the moment. come
1: to Jesus moment, now you're going to see this. Now wait, I get out, I go hang up my colors. That's a whole thing in itself. How do you get
0: out of that? I mean, grace of God, just, the
1: grace of God, the uh, grace of God.
0: From from what it seems to me, once you're in that, you don't just say, "Well, guys, I'm um, I'm um, 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 calling this day by."
1: What it how is? How do you
0: get out of the
1: grace of God? I mean,
0: okay. Grace, I, was, I, I love the grace of God answer, but logistically, yeah, I, I, logistically, how do you get out? That's
1: the only answer I got because <laughs> When I hung up my colors, see, the guy that was my sponsor, he was a national officer.
0: Now you're talking uh, like sponsor, like
1: we're talking Boy Scouts here. But no, I'm I'm talking guys. like it, this this guy. You know, if he had the opportunity, he would put a bullet in me. He's still alive. Uh, I, is it, I don't know. Is he? We don't he, know if he's still like, no, alive. No. Well. But I yeah. Um. Oh yeah, he would catch me so, in New York. So well, but and
0: so did you?
1: Did you go underground? Did you disappear? No, no. What did I did is you... no, I don't run. I would see. I was a street soldier. I hunted people. If so people so were pretty
0: scared of you.
1: Yeah, but see what it is is, I went to them and I said, "Listen, I can't be club 100 percent. I won't be club at all." And I laid my colors on the table and walked away and expected to stop one in the back. And they, and they, but they didn't. They didn't. Um, I've spent th- over 37 years. I've had the, sh- the, the opportunity of sharing the gospel with several of them. Um, I had, uh, So you
0: you actually went almost from let's say one day to the next because it was a very short from being but see, the, 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 a, the, a, the 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 dregs alga- of society sinking <clears throat> to these low points to you know I'm in I'm in prison Jesus said what are you doing stupid and mm-hmm. next thing you know oh, again. the next the two weeks later you're telling right. you know, these guys to come to Jesus
1: right but see what happens now. And and this is the really this is the saddest part of the story. I got hair in my waist, my beard's down on my belly, and I walk into this little church. They're not ready for me. That's why Soldier of Christ is.
0: You know? So you go you go in and they the original church yeah, and now, you don't look the way they think you I'm should like look. a turd
1: in the punch bowl. Which again. which you
0: know it's, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, you're deterred in the turd punch bowl and the interesting thing about that is I think a lot of people have had that experience. I've I've seen it I I belong to a congregation of four <clears one throat> and large before and I saw a guy come in that looked like a gangbanger, half tied up in the rag and Seems low and all this type of stuff, and he came in, everybody kind of looked at him, because we're in this church, and it's prim and proper, and everybody wears beautiful clothes, and acts off the ditty, and he came and he tried to sit down, and everybody kind of looked and scooched over, he sat there and he listened, and I I mean, it was just the most uncomfortable thing to watch, I wasn't near this, and I remember thinking, and then the guy got up after like five or ten minutes, and he walked out. And it's interesting because and there
1: was a sigh of relief as it was. There was a sigh of relief.
0: Yes. yes, yes, there was a sigh of relief. And I'm thinking, okay, isn't it supposed to be about bringing in the quote-unquote loss? Yep. Okay, so you're, you're why? What is it about people that does things like that? Fear,
1: fear. You, if you have a traditionally white church and a black man walks in, they're afraid. You have a traditionally black church and a white boy walks in, they're afraid. I walked, as a matter of fact. So you went into a, it, into a, into a denominational church, and, and they didn't know what to do with me. And it wasn't that they weren't Christian. They were, they were wonderful, but they what were not. they nice to you? Yeah, but they were just like.
0: Everybody looked mortified, though. So
1: yeah, but were they pleasant just because they were fearful, you think? No, I think that they were just dazed and confused. They didn't have any idea what to do with me. See, they don't understand the problem. I am a drug addict, alcoholic. I am going through major drug withdrawal, alcohol withdrawal. I'm green. I mean, I'm sick. And I'm facing a murder one charge. I'm looking at life in prison. You know, I'm out here. So you're, you're at a point where you're scared, too. No, I wasn't smart. I've, I've never been a smart enough
0: to be scared. Nah, that's No, that's,
1: that's a major personality flaw I have. I've never had brains enough to be afraid.
0: Why do you think that you were different that you got out of it? How did you – or maybe you, that was your nature at that point. And you this, know, is, this, really is, this is – you know, I want to tell people <clears throat> that they can change. What – your nature was you liked, you know, the things that we talk against.
1: Violent, violence, sex.
0: sex. drugs, all the things that, you know, I say, you know, these are things that you just kind of want to stay away from, um, just to put it mildly, stay away from. What, why do you think that you're different? Or what was the point where you said, you know what, I came, what motivated you to change? If you were to tell
1: people, you, okay. you can
0: change, and would in you the room, say in the room, did it for you?
1: In the rooms of AA, they'll teach you, you you've got a choice. Death, insane asylum, or prison, or sobriety. You've got to choose. And, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sick to death to hear in society saying, well, it wasn't your fault, man. It was like your mother's fault or your father's fault or your upbringing's fault. That's a bunch of nonsense. So
0: you're preaching personal
1: responsibility. Accountability. You are personally accountable for what you do. And I don't care if you come out of the ghetto or out of Beverly Hills. You know, <laughs> I don't care where you're I don't care if you're black or white. I don't care if you're a gangbanger or a biker. You're personally accountable. And you will stand before Almighty God and answer to him, you will be accountable. And it doesn't matter what your mommy did or daddy did. You know, it's like, you know, some of us had real ugly childhood. Get over it.
0: Again, this is Wellness for the Real World with Dr. Veronica. I want to tell you about another organization most of us have heard of. It's the Boys and Girls Club of America. You can go to bgca.org. They have anti-gang programs. These are programs to try to prevent people from going in the gangs. They have partnered with pe- with people and companies like Best Buy and Microsoft to have what's called a Club Tech to give people alternatives to going into gangs and also ways of training people to do other things. They have a Latino outreach initiative, targeted outreach strategies approach, teen initiatives. Um, Family Plus Parents Leading, Uniting, and Serving Initiative, the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, a wonderful organization. Please go on their website and support this organization. Um, but I, I, I want to switch gears a little bit more.
1: To Make sure you use the clutch.
0: I'm <sighs> scared of what you're going to hear in <laughs> these types of conversations. But I want to switch gears a little bit about um, let's talk about some issues, issues of the day. Okay. You were in this terrible life. Now you've changed. You now pastor a church yes. with people who have decided that they want to make this transformation. Yes. Um, and um, do you think most of the people who make this transformation are
1: successful generally? No. The ones, you've got to choose it and you got to walk it. It's a day by it's 24 7, 365. you got to work. I um I was listening to Dr. James Dobson.
0: Um, uh, yeah, I know, and focus uh, on the family. Focus on the family
1: yeah. and the other day, and he made a comment. He, he's just written a book. It's come out, in fact, hit the uh, bookstores yesterday, I believe. He was talk- talking about a man, a husband, father's relationship with his daughter, his responsibility. And he made a comment of he had a room full of women from 19 to 23, something like that, and asked them about their fathers. And the one thing... The one, you know, just on food. Uh, the one girl said her father had said to her, "Well, you know, if you put that in the mouth, it'll go right to your hips." So she has a problem with bulimia. You know, it's like yeah, from your lips to your hips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so a, a lot of, you know, we we have this this culture that is so visually dependent. You know, it's like you got to look a certain way. You got to, you know, and and we destroy our children. We destroy them with this. You know, it's what... You know, oh, it's, it's
0: important just, what parents are telling their children.
1: It's a, Yeah, and it's important that their parents be there and support them and love them. And there, there's so many kids that... I, you know, kids talk to me. They come to me and it's like... You you can't imagine the horror stories I hear from children. You know, stuff that, that I what I the never... parents say. Yeah, the parents their say, I mean parents do, um, the abuse. And, you know, and this is quote-unquote loving parents. They've got no clue. They'll say these hurtful things and they wonder why, or they're too busy. I talked to a young girl in South Jersey. She was 13 years old. She was a, too busy. <laughs> yeah, other. She lived in a million and a half dollar home. Um, she was heroin addict, 13, heroin addict and prostitute. Wow. She would go to school. She would hitchhike to Camden, get her drugs, they'd take her to Kensington, pimp her, bring her back to Camden, Shoot her up, she'd hitchhike home. I'm talking to her with the teacher. I was doing a program in a school down there. I'm like, baby, where are your parents? She goes, oh man, they don't know. I said, what do you mean they don't know? She goes, they're going to work when I get out of bed. And I'm in bed before they get home from work. This little girl's living this hellish life. Wow. While her parents are working to pay for a million and a half dollar home. Yeah. In the meantime, their daughter was shooting dope and turning tricks. Wow. And she's 13. I mean, like...
0: Yeah, I think it's important for people to your job understand what is the, effect is on their, yeah, the effect is on their kids. I think, you know, you, your base was that you had loving parents. Yes, I so oh, had yeah. something
1: to fall down yes. on to. So
0: parents need to, no matter where they are, I, I think kids don't, she, yeah, she has this wonderful home, kids don't care about no. that. I want to ask about one last controversial subject. Okay. I'm going to throw some names in it. I want to talk about sex. My favorite subject. Everybody project. wants to talk about <laughs> sex, okay? But let me just tell you this. I don't want to just talk about sex. Okay. Okay, just for a second. So we, can, we can say a little bit more about this. But there's been somebody who's been in the news lately, and it's been all around sex. Now, I think this is just it's exciting, and I'll tell you my take on it, and then I want to hear your take on it. Okay. We just finished the master's. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, when I look at him, he actually – he everybody knows what happened to Tiger Woods. Okay. He strayed from his marriage, from Elan. Um He's been around with, you know, every matter of everybody It seen. I remember seeing um, a, a headline that said, athlete of the decade, top dog, Tiger Woods, and he played some golf too. I mean, this guy just <laughs> went absolutely <laughs> – hog wild. He went hog wild. Now, there's one group of people that say, well, he's addicted and blah, blah, blah. I'm looking and saying... He's a man. That's what I say. You know what? You stole my thunder here. You stole my thunder. I'm looking and saying, he's not addicted. He's a 30-something-year-old man who has a lot of money, who has the opportunity. I don't care he's married to Eastern European blonde, blue-eyed beauty. He's of that, just like everybody else gets tired of everybody, and he just do, does what men do, and we expected him to have this impeccable perfect personality without any um, desires, because he's Tiger Woods, and that's what they set up but I think we expect men to have that and I, I don't think he has an addiction I think he's, he's just completely normal I think he's, he's doing exactly what morning. he has the opportunity to do
1: Opportunity. See, here's the deal
0: so, let's talk about the sex thing. So, a man a
1: man does what he does because he's able to do what he does. I spent 12 years walking in tears in Trenton State Prison doing ministry. Men are in prison because they do what they're able to do. That's the only reason they're there. Okay? They did what they were capable of. So you of. don't think Tiger Woods is any worse than anybody else? No. As far as what he did? He had... No, what he did was wrong. And see, what happens is men get to chasing their pecker around. <laughs> That, I mean, that should, let's be honest. That's what it is, you check. You, 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 you have a, this little god in your pants. You chase around from the time you're a little boy until they put you in the ground. And if you don't control it, it becomes a monster, and you destroy your life and your marriages. I destroyed my first marriage, check, chasing my pecker around. You know, that's, mm-hmm. it, it was my fault.
0: Um, Yeah, you told me a wedding story that was pretty stunning. Yeah. (laughs) But we ain't going to go there. Let's just say that, I'll just say that he told me that on his wedding night, his wife didn't feel like it. So, her her bridesmaids did feel like it. And uh, we'll leave the story at that.
1: Yeah, we'll leave it there. (laughs) um, And I did what I did because I could. Because I was not following God's law.
0: But what about you know? Uh, what I mean, so women, but to think about the other thing, there's another side. There's the woman, women. On they the other do side what they the do book. because
1: they can. Women.
0: I mean, you would have called Tiger a dog. What about all those women? I mean, it wasn't like he was a guy who nobody knew who he was. Let's all take personal responsibility. Exactly. Women need to take personal responsibility too because everybody knows who Tiger Woods is. So what about these women? They need to be censured just as much as Tiger Woods needs right. to be censured. Tiger Woods could not have sex outside of his marriage if there weren't women to have really? sex with him outside right. of his marriage.
1: I was in a situation, um, not the company I'm with now, but it was another limousine company. I went to this business woman's house. She's supposed to be in the car at 6.30 in the morning. I tap on the door at 25 after 6. She comes to the door with a robe on. The robe's open. She's naked. She goes, I'm getting ready to get in the shower. Come on in. No, ma'am. I'll wait in the car. See, I don't have a lot of money, and I could have very easily gone in and had a lot of fun, And I would have been the past. But I'm not willing to pay that cost anymore. And, you know, first of all... And,
0: it, not, and the other thing about it, take takes two to the tango. Right.
1: But the thing, you <laughs> see, what it is, is... People, we, we have anesthetized ourselves, our morality. Um, people have been rolling around forever. Okay? There has been adultery forever. There's been, you know, the cheating that's gone on forever. But you know, when I look at my parents' marriage, my mother never cheated, my father never cheated. I can remember, as, you know, a young boy walking past me. My father walked past my mother and grabbed her butt. Now, just like that little... And, you know, they had a very healthy sex life. They loved each other they I mean, and you know then I played all the games that I played, and it's like and I'm tainted, you know it's like I'm twisted, and it's i have a I have a propensity and an and almost an addiction for what's not normal and you know that's the issue with pornography. You know, you you get these guys on on. Can you show know, me so
0: some figures with pornography? Yeah, I mean,
1: you got them right there.
0: There's like, oh boy, with pornography, 75% it's it's of all internet hits are pornograph, pornograph pornography related. 4.7 million pornographic sites, 68 million searches for pornography each day, 2.5 billion emails containing pornography every day. What's going on? With this. Now, let me tell you what I think is going on with pornography, especially. I think that we're in a country, and I think this is probably more American than it is anything else. We're in a country that's so puritanical, and we don't have any healthy outlet for sexuality. Nobody's showing the right way that things should look. And I feel like the reason why pornography is such a pull. And I even think of like for people who are like pastors, even yes. people who haven't been through your type of life and <clears> pull, because everything sexual is just so taboo. It's well, just it's, so taboo.
1: What we've done with it, we've it was taboo. We didn't deal with it, and then we turned we turned to open the barn doors, and our predators got loose, and they're running amok. You know, it's so How
0: do you show people? Healthy relationship.
1: We one of the things. we I mean, do, you
0: you saw it with your parents. Yeah. What else? What else? How do you you know, you're counseling people? And a lot of us in this well, country
1: have I, not I seen what a
0: healthy relationship is from a sexual standpoint. Uh, what uh, we'll, do you
1: What do you tell? Me? Well, look at Tiger Woods. One of the things I can look at Tiger Woods. I can look at my life when I was when I was doing what I was doing in the past. You know, it's like you're not smart enough to keep all the lies together. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna get busted. You know, like anybody listening to me right now, if you were cheating, stop. You're gonna get caught. But what do you do?
0: What do you tell people about the, their natural urges because they're there, and God oh, okay. made you feel right. that way so the human race would
1: propagate. Yeah. So
0: how do you tell people to? What do you advise people to do? I advise these type things.
1: I advise people. You know, you fall in love, you get married, to remain faithful to the one you're with.
0: Okay, but now, you have an urge when you're
1: 13, what do you do? When I'm 13, well, you know, it's like, you know, it's like I used to, to tell the kids in the school, the only two types of safe sex are is you fall in love, you get married, you remain faithful to the one you're with, or you take it in hand. <laughs> And and I'll tell you, you know, that's just the bottom line. Okay. And I, and you said, there would always be some young boys, so I ain't going that. And I said, like, for those that lie and those that do, which are you?
0: <laughs> Once again, we're talking with Pastor Tramp Barber about his transition from motorcycle gang member to pastor. This is very serious and mature material. I also want to give another public service announcement now. Some people who end up in gangs have been unwanted children. We talked to a gentleman today that was accompanying Pastor Barber who had been in orphan care all his life, felt unwanted but then felt wanted when the motorcycle gang became his family. There are many children out there who need wonderful families. Please consider being an adoptive family there is a website that you can go to to find the right adoption option for you. There's all different adoption options. The adoption guide, the adoptionguide.com on the website tells you about you can adopt domestic, you can adopt from foster care, you can be a surrogate, you can be a foster parent, you can adopt domestic international. There are so many ways. I know the joys of being an adoptive parent. I have an adoptive child. It is a wonderful thing to be able to help somebody else's child. Please consider today adopting a child, theadoptionguide.com.
1: I wish, looking at you, I wish I could say to you the only woman I've ever been with is my wife, Cheryl. I wish I could say that. I really do, because...
0: But now that you, you cannot say that, I'm ashamed what do you, what do you? how do you advise people? Many of us can't say, I'm, I was with one person and that's yeah.
1: it. Okay. But there's um, grace. See, that's the thing. It's like whether it's coming out of a motorcycle gang, out of addiction, out of whatever, there's grace. You know, um, the unpardonable sin for so many years in the church was divorce. I'm divorced. I'm divorced too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, there's grace. And what we do is. But now, when we
0: talk about grace, I mean, for people who are Christian, they're thinking, okay, grace. But one thing that I've But even about there should grace, be
1: grace in society.
0: There should be grace in society. There should be, there's but not. But the other thing that happens is people need to have grace with themselves. Was, because you see people who that's the hard have thing. gotten out of things. And getting to the point where you can have grace and be gentle with yourself and forgive yourself. I need to is share so, a story on that. So key.
1: I, I, I was having hellacious nightmares. I mean, bad. And the church I was going to at the time, I mean, bad nightmares, horrible. And uh, they would say, oh, we're praying God will take away the nightmares from you. And a friend of mine from AA, and uh, now I'm not going to call his name, but a friend of mine from AA, he looked at me and said, you're a dimwit. I'm like, what? He says, God, God ain't going to take from you what he's given. I said, what are you talking about? And he, and he was um, he was special force in Vietnam. So, you know, he...
0: So he's seen a lot.
1: Yeah. And he That's goes, yeah, he says, um, you live the same life I did. And he says, you got all this garbage York. you did these horrible things and you have to resolve that. Personal accountability. I don't care if you're talking, you know, born again Christianity or sobriety. Personal accountability. And he says, you have to the Greek is metanoia, 180 degree about face. I have to acknowledge it I have to confess it I have to repent from it and turn from it and then but first off I have to remember it and Tom, well, what his name is Tom, he told me um he goes god's given you this garbage back one piece at a time so you can resolve it i like what he says don't wake up find your dream out
0: so when did you get did you get to the point where you actually were able to forgive yourself
1: i uh, working on it.
0: So you're still working on it. I'm sitting here watching them getting teary-eyed because he's done so many things, it's hard to reconcile that. But, you know, I I I think that every everybody's done things to a degree. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for people who believe in God, one thing that I remember mm-hmm. is that um, God says all sins are equal. Exactly. I mean, that, that's and, but, one of the wonderful things I see. So you read about <coughs> these things, and we all look, and we put in a hierarchy. There is no hierarchy. Think, uh, is, is worse than the other thing. But when you're looking at your life, everybody can think about, here's the worst thing I ever did. And I think when you get, you know, um, but, up on your high horse and think, well, yeah. I didn't do that. Yeah. That's when you've kind of lost the game. It, it,
1: it, it says in Scripture, the wages of sin is that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, sin. What's sin? Sin was killing a man. Sin was stomping on cops. Sin was, sin was raped. Sin was drug addiction. Yeah, but sin, I mean,
0: if you look at reading well, things like Dante's Inferno... I, mean, oh, that's they, yeah. I love that. <laughs> if you read Dante's Inferno, I mean, they have lust, they have... You know, they talk about the, the, the yeah. seven things, you're like... Seasons. You know, I mean, a lot of times you start reading things like that, and you think, but, well, what's wrong with this? And the thing that a lot of times wrong are... Things leads. are done in, in in excess in the wrong circumstance, but... I, I just you know, this thing of you gotta learn to be okay with your stuff. You right. gotta be okay with your stuff you got to learn okay with yourself, stuff. You're not gonna move forward. And so anything that people are battling, whether any kind of addiction, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be pornography, whether it be mm. eating, you gotta be okay that this is yeah. my stuff. You gotta take responsibility right. for that. And then stuff.
1: but you also gotta be forgiving because like when I look at Tiger Woods now, you know, like quite honestly, I think he was dumb as a rock. <laughs> You're going to get caught.
0: But he I, said that he he was arrogant about it. He said he thought yes. he was above everything and the rules didn't apply to right. him. And I think you know what the American public felt like the rules didn't apply to him either by thinking that he wasn't going to act like every other man. Okay. Yeah. And I, I just think that we all of a sudden think because what he can hit a golf ball that. Because he can hit a golf ball, he's not going to do things that other men want to do or have the desires that other men want to do. But well, the other thing, let me just say one other thing about this Tiger Woods thing that I, I think is important. When I look at somebody like Tiger Woods, um, he's married to Elin, um, who – this is Mr. Stanford grad who married somebody who was a nanny. I'm concerned also that there was not – Really, the right kind of connection there. I feel like the kind of connection that they might have had was a, oh my God, he's Tiger Woods. Oh my God, she's beautiful blonde nanny model. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I need a woman. And to me, failure. what happened is now all the the the, the, the fireworks have worn off, and they maybe they're now they're connected through their children, so they right. have to make this figure out how to make it work, whether they stay together or don't. But I'm looking and thinking. Why do people? Why are people confused about, I mean, they think because Love. she's this beauty. Why are, they, why are they confused that maybe, I, I feel like that, because he started this behavior early on in the yeah. marriage. I, I feel like there wasn't a connection there, maybe. When you look at them on TV and you see Tiger walks next to Elon, Tiger's walking like this, and Elan's her holding on. They never, to me, look like a and loving couple. Never. The only time I've ever seen him look like he cares is after he's won a tournament and he gives her a hug. Yeah. But it's his own joy yeah. to me, not in connection with her. And I think... We need to start teaching people how to have relationships. It a relationship. has a
1: glandular attraction. Yeah,
0: people need to start looking for something different. And I think we're not teaching our kids how to do something besides well, how, how, we, have how we the money them. for women, because that's what yeah. women are looking yeah. for. Who can take care of me? Yeah. Who can give me a Gucci? Who can give me a nice car? Who can give me a nice house? Mm-hmm. Who can give me a washing machine? That I, I mean, and I think the men can't look past oh, my God, she's beautiful, she's hot, and I just want to pound her. Yeah. How do you – I'm telling the truth, okay? And people say, you know, I'm in a situation right now where I'm single again, and I would like to um, date and have relationships. And when a guy says, I'm looking for the right chemistry, I turn him off. Why do I turn him off? Because I don't
1: feel like... Because
0: she's looking to get laid. I don't feel like you, you you know the minute you meet somebody that the chemistry yeah. is there necessarily.
1: We have to get past the glandular attraction. My wife works with a lady, very beautiful woman, from India, whose husband and her, their marriage was arranged. Yeah. They're, I mean, it's like, they're awesome. We went to their 20... They invited us to their 25th wedding anniversary. And now now here we are, you know... Have I have no concept of the way they do things, and um, and she what a gracious hostess she was. Oh, yeah. I mean, because like they're
0: arranged and...
1: and and they're happy. <laughs> but but the th- and you know, it's but the thing is, it's like our society is so saturated in sex. Our little girls are wanting, you know, wanting to look like movie stars. I one of the I. I I am so repulsed. Yes,
0: everybody wants to look like Beyonce and Angelina yeah. Jolie. Yeah, which, and, you know, they're beautiful women. Yes, and right, there's nothing wrong with that. The reason why they're Beyonce and Angelina Even Jolie is because they're Beyonce, 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 Beyonce and Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Jolie. Okay.
1: <laughs> I see, I see a, a woman probably in her 30s in the mall, and she's walking, and now it's like, I can't stand the baggy pants, you know, the hanging down and stuff like that. Just, well, I'm not going to go. But here she is. It's this, this woman, very attractive, 30 ish woman. Um, got on a pair of hip huggers, very low cut, bare butt hanging out the back with a G string. You know, what I mean, so you know, it's like the rural low cut. You, see, you know, see mm-hmm. the top of her butt and her G string. Her daughter's maybe eight, ten years old, hip hugger jeans, see the butt with a G string. <laughs> now, what is wrong with this picture? What, what's wrong here? You know, we're you te- were teaching our kids that the only thing matters. But what do you see on TV? All your ads are are sex.
0: Yes, everything. They sell floor covering with
1: sex. With sex. I mean, and we wonder why you watch sex.
0: But no, I also think, (coughs) I I, I get that, but I also think that people can... There's more than sex. mm, There's more than sex, but I do think that people can be beautiful and attractive without being slutty. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, And I I think that we need to start teaching what that looks like um, but things, I think that the reason why we're not successful with relationships and ma- whether you believe in marriage or want a long-term well, relationship, people aren't successful because they're looking for just that the superficial stuff. One of the I mean, things women, that, women are giving sex so they can get all the money. Yeah, and, 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 just one and
1: giving money so they get the yeah. sex. One of the things I learned, okay, I'm 57 years old, and um, life happens, and we go through seasons of life. I'm not a young man anymore. Now, the, the uh, ministry, they gave my wife and I a, a getaway to uh, this place up in Lancaster. It was wonderful. And we went up for the night, and it was like real romantic, and there was the jacuzzi and the rose petals splattered splatter all over the place. Romance
0: that women love. Yeah,
1: romance that women Listen love. Listen up,
0: guys. And, and it was <laughs> great. And, and
1: the ministry gave this to, to my wife and I as a gift. It was wonderful. Well, you know, there, were, there was a time where we'd, we'd have made love all night. We made love once. You know, I'm fifty seven years old. She's fifty eight years old. Life happens. We're in a different season. You know, there's the country western song it's something about uh, I was you know I'm not I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm good as once as I ever was.
0: I, I gotta tell you that yeah. interesting as as a as a physician when I was practicing, you don't know how many women that came in who were belly aching over the discovery of Viagra. Um, yeah.
1: Because
0: they were like,
1: you know, I'm, I'm, I, I I'm, winding, I over I'm winding down here, and he's yeah. trying to be like he's 18. Yeah. Um, the, but hey, and that's what, <laughs> you know, my wife has gone through menopause. My wife has gone through menopause, and you know, it's like where well, we used, you know, um, there's one sex.
0: But, but, but there's more to sex because you've developed a relationship. Is. That is one friend.
1: piece of it. So now
0: you see relationships where, uh, I mean, especially with men, where if that piece
1: doesn't men work, have like never been, Men have never been taught that. Men, you know, men equate love. And see, it's, it's a problem with the English language. See, if we were speaking Greek... I could I could talk about Eros. I could talk about a selfish yeah. love. Yeah. Or I could talk about philo. Phileo
0: with, philo, with, philo, with friendship, Or, or agape, I could talk about Agape with Unconditional, uh, unconditional love.
1: And that's what see it says in Ephesians that husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's right. And how did Christ love the church? He mm-hmm. stretched out on the cross. And that's a
0: very famous verse, and I like that you said that. That's the next part that says, wives, submit to your no, husband. No, but see, wives,
1: my wife has no problem submitting to, to me. Because, because
0: you love her like Christ, Christ loved, loved the, the church.
1: church. It says, children, obey I your parents," for this is pleasing the Lord. And then it goes on to say, fathers, don't exasperate your children. That's right. We've we got, we got a guy in the ministry, we call him Father Murphy. His name is George. um, People think
0: this is just all about religion and if you don't believe in it, but when you start reading these things, you realize that even if I don't believe in Jesus and the Christianity and all that type stuff, when people say love like... Jesus loved. How, how did he love? What? How did he love? Think of it, you know, okay, you don't have to go with all the mysticism and the mumble jumbo nope. and the rising and all that. Just think of what was that example? Yeah. But you know what? Let me tell you what it says before that verse, yeah. okay? Because see, I know my Bible, yeah. okay? Okay. i going to talk about the, what it says before that verse. It says, submit one unto another. Another, exactly. Okay? So before it tells anybody just women to submit, and before it tells husbands, do love your wife, before that it says people submit one, one to another. another. That means that both people should be in a stance of humility. Yes. Nobody's over anybody right. else. And I think that's important because what we're not doing in our society is we're not being humble. And it's not just in a, a husband-wife relationship or in relationship relationship with, with partners and even if mm-hmm. you're not married and living under, you know, trying to have a long-term relationship. But people need to be deferential to each other. I don't care what your place in society is, just because you are a fellow human being, Mm -hmm. we need to be loving and kind and deferential to each other. Mm -hmm. And guess what? When you take on that stance, and you're deferential to other people, no matter where they sit with you in relation to society. Mm-hmm. The whole thing just it, it it starts to work. People who you wouldn't think would respect you or people who you would think not have a relationship with you will have one with you because you're treating them with what I call a basic level of human respect. You just heard the riveting story of Pastor Tramp Barber and his life from a childhood in a poor family to a motorcycle gang life of violence and drugs, and now his continuing journey of self-forgiveness and his ministry of helping others. This is a story about personal accountability, but it's also a story about hope. We want you to know that people can really change their life and give to society. And this is Wellness for the Real World with Dr. Veronica. Next week, we're going to talk about holistic pet care, and how pets are great for your body and soul. Join us for Feeling Good with Fido.
1: If you would like to know more about Dr. Veronica and her
0: work, please visit her website, www.drveronica.com. That's drveronica.com. And, of course, remember to join us here again next week for another new show here
1: on Wellness for the Real World.